This is Foothill Family Church with Mike Webb. Building strong, spirit-filled lives through God's Word. Notice Jesus talking about this principle of faith. Notice how important the words are. Notice how important the words of your mouth are. Verse 22 again, Jesus said, have, God, have the God kind of faith or have the faith of God. For whosoever shall say unto this mountain, notice the first thing he talks about is words. Whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe in his heart, from his heart, shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. So notice what Jesus is telling us. When we put these things together that we've been talking about with Adam and Eve, along with what Jesus told us about the principle of faith, Jesus is telling us, you can produce good from your heart. You can produce good from your heart. See, folks, that's why the devil has to deceive us. That's why the devil has to trick us into saying things contrary to God's word is because man still has authority on the earth. He never lost it. So Satan's one and only one means of operation, the way he operates, is through deception. He operates through deception to get us to use or misuse our authority for evil rather than the good that we were put here to do. See, if the devil could just make everything happen in your life that he tells you it is going to happen or that we know who wants to, he wants to happen against us, then he'd just do it. How many times have we fought sickness and disease and the devil is telling us he's going to kill us? Why doesn't he? How is it people are able to overcome that? Because man has authority, not the devil. See, if the devil was really able to kill you every time he says he's going to, what's holding him back? He has to get you to buy into his power in order to use it against you. So Jesus says, because man was made in the image and the likeness of God, Jesus said, whosoever shall say, Unto this mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass. He shall have whatsoever he saith. Folks, you cannot be effective in prayer if you don't know you have authority. No prayer that you pray, none of the different kinds of prayer that you pray will work worth a flip if you don't know you have authority on the earth. It's the one thing God said he put man here to do have dominion over the earth so jesus goes on in verse 24 of mark chapter 11 telling us about this principle of prayer principle of faith utilized in prayer he said therefore i say unto you because faith works by speaking from your heart therefore i say unto you what things soever you desire when you pray believe that you receive them and you might get a few When you pray, believe that you receive them, and you shall have them. So in step one, we decided what we wanted from God. We found scriptures that promised us those things, and we've made them a part of our heart by meditating, speaking them over and over and over again into our own spirits to prepare to use them against the devil when he attacks. Now we're ready to pray. But folks, please understand, if you're not ready for battle before you pray, you've lost already. 
And that battle that we're talking about is the same thing that we see identified when Jesus was tempted of the devil. Jesus was ready for the devil whenever he came. How was he ready? He knew the word. He was prepared with the word. He was prepared to use the word when the devil came. And every time the devil tempted him with something, he said it is written. He speaks the word. He speaks God's word, which is exactly what we're going to have to do too. So we prepared ourselves for battle. That brings us to step number two, and that is ask God for the things that you want and believe you receive them when you pray. Now, that sounds so simple. And in one sense, it is when we gain information and knowledge about how things work. But it's the dividing line between people that have and people that have not. Turn with me over to John chapter 20. Jesus appears to his disciples. He breathes on them and says, receive you the Holy Ghost. And he talks to them about salvation or the remission of sins. Well, let me just read it in verse 22. And when he had said this, he said to them, peace be unto you. When he had said this, he breathed on them and said unto them, receive you the Holy Ghost. Well, they must have gotten something or else Jesus tricked them. He said, receive the Holy Ghost. Now, what happened? That's the point where the disciples were born again. Notice the context of receiving the Holy Ghost. He said, whosoever sins you remit, they are remitted unto them. And whosoever sins you retain, they are retained. Now, he's certainly not giving them the ability to decide, to decide who gets saved and who doesn't. That's available to everybody. The blood of Jesus is available to everybody, not those who the disciples say should have it. But the important point to see here is that when Jesus says receive the Holy Ghost, since we know there are two works of the Holy Ghost, one is salvation, one, that, one is bringing us into the family of God, being made new or being made new creatures in Him. And the other is the baptism of the Holy Ghost, which equips us for service. So when Jesus says receive the Holy Ghost, He tells us which one of those two it is. He says receive the Holy Ghost in connection with remittance of sins. He's talking about salvation. These same guys, Jesus is going to tell just a few days later to wait in Jerusalem until they receive power from on high when they were filled with the Holy Ghost. But the church starts right here when he says receive the Holy Ghost. But notice the next thing that happens, verse 24. It says, but Thomas, one of the twelve, called Didymus, was not with them when Jesus came. The other disciples therefore said unto him, we have seen the Lord. But he said unto them except I shall see in his hands the print of the nails, the hole that the nails had made when he was nailed to the cross, and put my finger into the print of the nails, and thrust my hand into his side. Notice the phrase, I will not believe. Notice he does not say he cannot believe. He says he won't believe. He's talking about his will. He's not talking about the truth. The truth is Jesus is alive. But he says flat out, if I can't see him and feel him, I won't believe. I won't believe. So what is his faith based on? What is his believing based on? What he can see and feel. Thankfully, on his part, after eight days, verse 26, after eight days again, his disciples were within and Thomas was with them. 
Then came Jesus, the doors being shut, and stood in the midst and said, Peace be unto you. Then said he to Thomas, Reach hither thy finger, and behold my hands. And reach hither thy hand, and thrust it into my side. And be not faithless, faithless. The Bible says Thomas's position of I will not believe is being faithless. And be not faithless, but believing. And Thomas answered and said unto him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said unto him, Thomas, because thou hast seen me, thou hast believed. Blessed are they that have not seen and yet have believed. Notice there's no blessing attached to Thomas's kind of faith. There's no blessing attached. There's no commendation from Jesus to Thomas for the kind of faith that he decided he would have or the basis for faith that he decided for himself. Now, this is where a lot of people make a mistake with Mark chapter 11 and verse 24. Again, Jesus said, Therefore I say unto you, what things soever you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. A lot of people are trying to have it before they believe. That's what Thomas did. Thomas wants to have it. He wants to have physical evidence. He wants to have what his eyes show him to be the foundation for what he believes. And a lot of Christians, well-meaning Christians, people that love God with all their heart, a lot of people live this way. They didn't live that way when it came to getting saved. They couldn't have, or else they never would have been saved. They were willing to accept the testimony of Jesus going to the cross dying for our sins and being raised from the dead in order for themselves to be saved. And it worked. Nobody has ever been saved any other way than faith. Ephesians 2.8 says, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves is the gift of God. Well, how does God give us faith to be saved? We hear the word. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. We hear the word of Jesus going to the cross and being raised from the dead and having paid the price for our sins. We accept that. We choose to accept that, not because we see. Very few people have ever been saved by seeing Jesus. And if that's what somebody was holding out for, they have no assurance that they'll ever have it. But Thomas says just flat out, and there's no question in my mind, but this story was given to us by John to kind of close the loop to show us what real faith is. It's not what Thomas did. Jesus called Thomas's kind of faith as being faithless. But contrast that with believing you receive. Contrast that with Romans chapter 4. Notice what God said about, the, the Word says to us about Abraham and his basis for faith. We'll start in verse 17. As it is written, I have made thee the father of many nations. Before him whom he believed, even God, who quickeneth the dead and calleth those things which be not as though they were. Now that's the operation of faith from God's standpoint. Calling things that be not as though they were. Then that must mean that faith, the prayer of faith, is the prayer of calling things that be not as though they are. The prayer of faith is the prayer that changes things. The prayer of faith is the prayer that believes when it receives, believes it receives when it prays. The prayer of faith is calling the prayer of calling things that be not as though they are. That's what Abraham did. He followed God, he imitated God in that respect. 
Verse 18, who against hope, that means without na any natural circumstance to hope in. Who against hope believed in hope that he might become the father of many nations according to that which was spoken. So shall thy seed be. What did Abraham do? Abraham believed according to what God had spoken. God had said, see the stars in the sky, so shall thy seed be. That's what Abraham believed in. Abraham believed in, the Bible says, he believed God and it was counted unto him for righteousness. He believed according to what was spoken. Join Mike Webb and Foothill Family Church every Sunday night at 6 p.m. for our weekly healing school. Healing school is for those who are in need of being healed from sickness in their body, as well as those who want to strengthen their faith in the area of healing. Jesus said the kingdom of God is as a man speaking the word of God into his heart. You exercising your authority in the name of Jesus by whom you have access into the kingdom of heaven to say that for you, you are free from the influence of sickness and disease. Foothill Family Church is in Orange County at the corner of Bake Parkway and Lake Forest Drive, just minutes off the 5 Freeway. To learn more about how you and your family can connect with Foothill Family Church, simply log on to mikeweb.tv. Foothill Family Church, building strong, spirit-filled lives through God's Word. Mark chapter 11, notice verse 24 again. Jesus is talking about the prayer of faith, the same faith that will bring results every time, the, the fulfilling of John 15, 7, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will and it shall be done for you. Notice what Jesus says. Jesus says that what you want, what you decide you want to ask for from God, what you pray for in faith exists in two different realms. Exists in two different realms. Read verse 24 again carefully. Therefore I say unto you, what things soever you desire... Whatever that is, if it's eating for your body, if it's finances for your, to pay your bills, whatever it is, what things soever you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. Notice the believe you receive and the shall have. Well, which one's right? They're both right. Jesus said, if you'll believe that you receive when you pray, then you'll have. A lot of people are trying to believe that they receive when they have. So often, we think that our prayers are going to make God move to do something. And there might be a few instances that we could come up with that would follow that or fit in that pattern. But let's talk about something that we can all relate to. Let's talk about healing for the physical body for a minute. When we pray for healing, when we pray the prayer of faith for healing, Jesus doesn't do anything that hasn't already been done. See, Jesus isn't going back to the cross and spend another few seconds on there to make sure it's good for you. And by the same token, Jesus doesn't have a warehouse in heaven with healing on the shelf. So that when we pray, he goes to the warehouse, pulls off healing from the shelf, and gets it to you. That's not the way it works. It's not ever the way it works. The healing of our physical bodies has already been accomplished. We know that has to be true because the same thing, the same principle of faith works for salvation, the new birth experience, 
as it works for anything else. When somebody cries out to God for Jesus to save them, according to Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10, it says, if we believe that God raised Jesus from the dead, if we believe Jesus paid the price for our sins and now has been risen from the dead, and if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is our Lord, we shall be saved. So your salvation is available to you before you ever claim it. Your salvation has already been paid for. The blood of Jesus already paid for every sin you or I or anybody else has ever committed. It was already paid for before we ever reached out to take hold of it. The only way we knew to reach out and take hold of it is because the Word of God tells us what it is, tells us what Jesus did for us, and tells us that if we will confess Him as Lord, use our words from our hearts to make Jesus our Lord, He becomes our Lord and Savior. So you're the one that exercises your authority to take hold of the salvation that Jesus paid for. We know that, right? Jesus doesn't have to do anything for anybody because they were worse than he ever expected somebody to be. Salvation has been obtained. It's been provided. Well, healing is a part of salvation according to Isaiah 53. The same verse that says Jesus was wounded for our infirmities. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we were healed. The same scripture that tells us Jesus paid for sins tells us he paid for sickness and disease. So nothing else has to be done ever else has to be done from heaven's side for healing to be obtained. So that means healing exists for every one of us. It's unseen, but it exists. I want to go real slow on this because I want to make sure you get this. Everything that Jesus paid for exists. It may not appear to be the case in your life or in mine, but it exists because Jesus paid for it. Now, Jesus is the one that tells us that we can bring that existing healing or salvation or financial provision. We can bring that existing blessing of God into reality. We can go from the unseen where it exists to being seen in the, in the to be seen in the physical realm. We can bring that to pass. God doesn't bring that to pass. See, if God was the one that was doing it, why would he do it quickly for some people and not so quickly for others? And that's one of the ways the devil wants to attack you. The devil wants to make you think God's not playing fair with you. Look at old sister so-and-so over there. She got healed almost instantly. And you know she's not nearly as good a Christian as you are. <laughs> and other such things. Because the devil wants to make you doubt God's word. Because God's word says that healing has already been paid for. God's word says provision has already been made. So what's the issue? The issue is very simply planting the seed of his word. Because that's what brings the unseen realities, the unseen blessings that Jesus purchased for us with his own blood into the physical realm. It's speaking the word. But he had it in physical reality because he held fast to his confession. Now, folks, remember the baseline on this. Man was given authority in the earth. 
Man was given authority in the earth. So it's what you say that counts. It's whether or not you say you're healed that counts. I'd like for my words to be able to bring healing to everybody in our church. But I don't have authority over you. I don't have authority over your life. I don't have authority over your will. If I had authority over people's wills, there's a lot of people I'd choose to get saved. But we don't decide that, do we? We don't determine that. Everybody determines what they'll have for themselves. So that's why the devil tries to affect your words. That's why he wants your words to be based on what you see and feel. Because if he can keep you talking about what you see and feel, then he can ensure that your tongue is set on fire of the course of hell instead of set on fire from heaven. The tongue can be a fire whether positively or negatively. See, there's a lot of times we use fire for a real positive thing. I've got a fireplace in my house. We don't need it because of the weather, but we like it. And so we light it. We use it. It's beneficial for us. But fire can get out of control and burn your house down. It's not the fire's problem. It's not the fire's cause. We don't try to ban fires. So your words can either be a positive or a negative in your life. Your words will be either a positive or a negative in your life. But everything you want from God, everything you will ever have a desire from God to have, has already been provided. We simply take hold of it with the words of our mouth. We gain information about what we can take hold of from the Word of God. But if we put that Word of God into our spirits, make that Word of God part of us, who we really are, speak the Word of God, and hold fast our confession of faith, Jesus said nothing was impossible. And that's what I want you to get to. I want you to come to the understanding that anything you believe for is possible. So many times we get stuck and think that things are impossible to us because we're looking for God to do them. Did you notice in verse 24 of Mark chapter 11, let me read it again, Therefore I say unto you, what things soever you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. Did you notice it doesn't even say, and God will do it for you? It, indicate, it makes no indication whatsoever that God will take action. Now that makes sense if you understand that Jesus has already done the work and we already have been given authority. What does God need to do? What is necessary for him to do? The reason Jesus is seated at the right hand of God is because he's finished his work. If Jesus was still responsible for getting healing to you and me, or financial blessing, or anything else that he provided for us through his crucifixion and resurrection, he'd never have a moment to sit. He'd be running back and forth doing stuff for you and doing stuff for me. Shoot, I'd keep him busy half the time myself. But that's not how it works. It doesn't work by God doing something for you. It works because God did something for you already. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 4 that one of the key elements to growing up and maturing in God is to speak the truth in love. Well, what's the truth? God's Word is truth. 
God's Word is truth. The more we speak God's Word, the more we act on what God says in His Word, the more we do what His Word tells us to do, then the more and more we'll grow up in Him. If we're still in second grade stuff looking for God to do things for us, how can He use us to reach other people? Reaching other people, now I don't mean this in the most literal sense, but in the general sense, reaching other people is best done by people that have gotten to a place themselves where they can be a help. You know that's true. So the more we grow in God, the more we experience, as Paul said, add experience to your faith. King James says virtue, but it means experience. Add experience to your faith, then we can help other people stay strong and steady when it looks like it's going against them too. Amen? One of the greatest honors, one of the greatest privileges we can have is to believe God over time and see his word come to pass. I've said this many times. I don't know who, who to credit it to, but somebody said, I want to learn faith from people with scars. Experience. Through tough places and tough times. Well, how are we going to gain that experience if we don't learn to accept things that the Bible says are true to really be true and to speak them in our own lives? And to keep that seed of the word planted until it produces a harvest. What's your break point? A month? Six months? A year? Ten years? What's the point where you say, well, I'm going to give up on this because it hadn't happened by now? We're all tempted to give up. What was Jesus' break point? The Bible says in the book of Isaiah, it says that faithfulness was the girdle of Jesus' reigns. In other words, Jesus' faithfulness determined the boundaries to which he would go with God. And that's what the Garden of Gethsemane prayer is all about. He's saying, I'll take you all the way to the cross, Father. I'll stick with you. If that's the only way we can do this, then so be it. What's our break point? We shouldn't have one, folks. If we're convinced of the truth of the word that whatever we believe we receive, we will have, then holding fast the confession of our faith should never be an issue. It should be just the way we live. The Bible says the just shall live by faith. What does that mean? The just shall live by speaking the word. If Jesus was an example of living by faith, he spoke the word in every situation he encountered. So second, the second step, if you want to get your prayers answered, your second step is very simple. After you've found the Word of God that covers your case, put it into your heart, prepared yourself to use it against the devil when he attacks. Step two is very simple. Ask God for the things that you want and believe that you receive them when you pray. The Bible tells us to walk by faith and not by sight. That means to walk according to what God's Word says and not according to what we see or feel. Don't let your feelings and don't let the circumstances that you see around you stop you from acting on God's Word. His Word's always true. Thanks for watching today. Come visit us at Foothill Family Church. 
This is Foothill Family Church with Mike Webb. In so doing, you are keeping your heart from doubt. You're staying in faith. You're continuing and holding fast the profession of your faith. And your answer is guaranteed. Join us Sundays at 9.30 a.m. and 6 p.m. or Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Visit us online at mikeweb.tv. Foothill Family Church, building strong, spirit-filled lives through God's Word.